0: really encouraging for me to see this room full of of men that um, are not married or have not been married. Um, I'm a single man, 37 years old, and um, I'm, I'm a pastor in our church and um, been single my whole life. And, and uh, I know that that what we navigate as single men is can be some some pretty choppy waters, especially for the older dudes in the room. Most of our life, uh, we spend in our singleness, feels a lot like we're we're just trying to like we're just trying to figure out how to be the odd duck in the room. Anybody feel that at all? Anybody feel that in your life? It's like I'm single. Everybody else is married. Literally, everybody else in the whole world. I'm the only single dude. And, and I'm trying and I'm trying to figure out how to live as the weird guy that's not married yet. Um, so I just want to say I feel your pain. I feel your pain. And today we're going to talk about is is not so much um, not so much how we. I, I just want to like just reiterate. I'll probably reiterate several, several times. This is not actually a dating conference. Praise the Lord, Amen. Amen. Right, pass the plate, call it a day. Um, this is not a dating conference, so we're not going to talk about dating. But what we're going to talk about is is how to live as a, a single man and and bless. Uh, the people bless the church, bless the world, and particularly bless the women in our lives as single men. That is a really hard thing to learn how to do. That's a really lar- hard thing to learn how to do. So, so I, there are a few um, there are a few obvious um, things that that we have had to walk through and consider in our lives as single men. One is is um, well, the overarching thing is, is just how weird we feel a lot of times to be single. And so I want to squash that. I, want, I just want to start by saying, man, um, if you are a Christian in the room, here's the reality is that you are actually under the lordship of Jesus. God is sovereign over your life. So it's not by some random coincidence that you're single. It's actually God is sovereign over your life. And if you're single today, guess what? You're called to be single. If you're single in this room, and you belong to Jesus, God is sovereign over your life, and he is calling you in this, minute, in this moment to be present in your singleness. Of all the things, like there are a lot of things that we have to deal with just as men in general. It's just, 2018 is just hard. It's hard to do life. Um, and being single on top of that can add a little bit of extra pressure and extra weirdness. First of which, well, and not the only thing, is just, again, like we said, just kind of the way that people look at us. Like the question of, (laughs) why are you single? You ever get that question asked you? I mean, that's like the overarching question. Why on earth are you single? And it's not one of those, like, people don't look at you like they're curious about why you're single. It's more like an accusation from the start. It's one of those accusation questions. You know what I'm saying? Why are you single? Kind of look you up and down and give you the whole, like, man, what is wrong with you? Do you look weird? I don't know. Is your breath super weird? Why are you single? Do you smell weird? Who knows? Who knows? There's lots of reasons why people look at us in such a weird way. And so I I think the first thing that that we have to come to realize as single men is that it's actually, we can actually walk in humility and confidence in Jesus as single men and actually serve and bless the world around us. First thing I want you to know is being single is not a scarlet letter. It's not. Look at 1 Corinthians 7 6 through 7. I believe this will be on the screen for us. This is is the Apostle Paul. How many of you guys have ever heard of that dude? Okay. Okay, that was a serious question. There might be some that haven't. The Apostle Paul was this uh, great man of God, wrote most of the New Testament, and and Paul was used by God to really stir up and develop uh, leaders and develop the church, man. He was close to Jesus, had a lot of authority in the church. Um, He was... Um, sort of the first elder um, in the New Testament, established elders in the local church, planted a lot of churches. Here's what Paul says. Paul was single. Here's what he says. Now as concession, not a command. As a concession, that's important, not a command. I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. He's talking about his singleness. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. That's the apostle Paul talking about his singleness. What is he saying there? Is Paul literally saying that he wishes everybody were single? Well, on some level, maybe. But I think there's something deeper to what Paul is actually saying. It's not so much that, to me at least, it's not so much that he's saying, hey, everybody needs to be single. That's the command. Everybody needs to be single. But the way that Paul gave himself up and lived his life for the church as a single man, what he did with his life is important for us to note here. The church, for us, um, has gotten this wrong a lot. It seems to be an extra measure of scrutiny with single men. Massive assumptions are made against single men to us as, again, why we're single. Is he weird? Is he a womanizer? Is he too selfish? Etc. Here's the fact for us. The fact is that being single is not nor should ever be considered an ailment. It's not. Being anything where you're at under Jesus' lordship of our life, married or single, is not an ailment. It's actually a calling. What do we do with our calling? How do we live our life as single men? Well, it's simple. We give ourselves away to the world around us. Second point, be present and embrace where you're at in your life and singleness. And this is the theme. Look at what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Only let each person, listen, this is important. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. I'm gonna read that again because that is really important for everybody in the room. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. God has, listen to me, men, this is big. God has assigned to you the life for you to live, for you to lead. He doesn't say only let each person be passive aggressive with the life that God has called to him. Only let each person look for another life. That's not the life that he has right now. That's not what he says. What are you supposed to do? What's the word here? Let's all say it together. Only let each person lead. Man, that was that was passive aggressive just now. Seriously, from your heart, because it's important for us. I'm not trying to be weird, but we need to learn this. Only let each person Read. the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Who assigned the life? The Lord. the Lord. The Lord assigned it. This is massive for us. This is massive for us. You're single. That's the reality. I'm single. That's the reality. What do we do with our singleness? How do we live? We live and we lead the life that God has assigned to us. That's important. That's the heart of who we are as single men. Listen to me. That is, I'm going to say it again, that is the heart of who we are as single men. We give our lives away. We give our lives away. Andrew's going to help us kind of flesh out how exactly we do that. Let's welcome Andrew Burkhart. He's a strapping young man.
1: Uh, man, I, I have uh, real immense respect for every guy in this room. Um, I don't know what it's like to be you. I, I was uh, married when I was 21, so just thinking about the life and the culture and the world that you're in. Some of you have been married and you're not now. Some of you, you've never stepped into that. But just the, the love and the respect that I have for you. And the, uh, kind of this, this, uh, this thing that I feel deep in my heart is like, man, if you could get a vision of what God wants for your life, uh, it's profound. I hope you don't waste your singleness the way that I did when I was single. Uh, so here, here's something that's really interesting. Um, the, the question that we're trying to figure out is how do we do this? How do we do, how do we do what Ben just talked about? How do we actually lead this life that God has assigned to us, this gift of singleness, that if we're honest, some of us would like to return that gift as quickly as possible? Like, could, could I exchange this for a different gift? Uh, you're trying to figure out how do I do this? And I think it makes it difficult because uh, there's, a, there's a philosopher named Peter Kreeft, and he says that out of all the great civilizations of our world, that our civilization is the only one that hasn't actually given its citizens a vision for why we exist and why we're here. So think about that. Like We, we've, we weren't told by our dads, at least most of us, hey, here's who you are. Here's why you matter. Here's why God placed you on this earth. So we're kind of walking around a bit aimlessly, if we're honest, which is why uh, YouTube makes a great dad for a lot of us, uh, which is why you know we, we pursue other things, trying to figure out how, who am I? What do I do? How do I engage this world? And so I think a lot of us are just really needing, kind of dying for this vision of how do I express and live out my singleness in the way that God has actually designed. So that's what I want to do. And and here's what I want to say. As I've interacted over the years with single guys in our church and single guys in our city, uh, there seems to be with a lot of them just this, this deep sense of, I don't know if I have what it takes to live out what God has called me to do. And I want to say just from the start that actually by God's creative design, By God's creative design and by his power, you have every single thing that you need to be a blessing, not a curse to the people in our world. So let, let me just unpack this. I want you to think about why God actually created you and why you're here. And I want to take you actually to, to Genesis 1 real fast. So uh, when, you think of, when you think of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, if you grew up in church like me, probably what you envision is Adam, Eve, Adam and Eve are just chilling, uh, sipping mimosas, they're hanging out naked in a hammock, probably just enjoying this perpetual vacation that is creation, But if you actually go back and read, what God does is is bizarre. He he places man, Adam, in the garden, and he gives them this this vision of how to live. So here's the first thing that you were actually created for. As you think of Adam and you think of yourself, you were created to cultivate. You were created to cultivate. Uh, Let me just read this to you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and keep it. Right? So instead of just this perpetual vacation where Adam is just hanging out, not doing anything, God actually creates him and he puts him in the garden and he says, "I want you to work this garden. You actually have a task. I want you to take the beauty and the the shalom of this garden and I want that to expand over the rest of the earth." And so innately in every guy, innately in every person is this, uh, and men is this desire to cultivate the things in their world. And if you don't believe me, let me just ask you, how many of you are going to be running in the marathon? Anybody? Wow, a few of you? Okay. Is this your first time to run in the marathon? So I don't know if you've ever gone jogging before, or if you're like, I'm going to do the marathon, but if you go jogging one time, Probably what you're going to do is then drive to Academy, and you're going to drop about 150 bucks on some jogging shoes, right? You're, you're going to get the best shorts that you need so you don't chafe up. You're, you're going to go do all the stuff, and then all of a sudden, like, you're watching YouTube videos about jogging, and, and there's something in you. They're like, I'm going to cultivate this hobby right now. I'm going to master this hobby. Uh, my, my wife doesn't like this, but this is what I do with hiking. It's like, I'm going to go hiking, and even if I've never been hiking before, I've suddenly dropped $400 because I'm going to be the best dang hiker that I can be. So innately in alien men, and I don't know if it's barbecuing or whatever it is, but there's this thing inside of us that we just naturally want to cultivate the, these hobbies or these things inside of our world. It's, it's in us as men to, to grow and to be better and to make things around us better. So the problem isn't that we don't have this capacity to do it. The problem tends to be, at least in my life and probably in your life, that our cultivation is often misguided. It's aimed at the wrong thing. Does that make sense? It's pointed at... Uh, my job, it's pointed at my sexuality, it's pointed at my hobby, it's pointed at me making money, it's pointed at wh- whatever it is, it's pointed at uh, all these things. And what's happening in our culture, it's, it's actually pointed at me. So all this cultivation is, instead of for the good and the blessing of other people, it tends to be on us. But here's the vision that God has given us as men. He's actually placed us on this planet. He's given you uh, uh, this, this beautiful role and task to be a blessing and a cultivation to the other men in your world. So if you have a roommate, uh, you're actually called by God to cultivate your roommate's life. We tend to think of ourselves as like autonomous people that aren't responsible for other people. But as a man, God's vision for you is like you're actually called to cultivate the roommates in your life. The people that you work with, you're actually called by God to cultivate. The place that you live, you're actually called by God to cultivate that, Uh, the the ladies in your life, rather than them being like dating options or uh, uh, something that you look at when they walk walk in the doors uh, with lust in your heart, actually what you start to do is you see them as sisters that God has placed you in their life to be a blessing and a benefit by cultivating them. See, it's bizarre. As a single guy, you might think of yourself as free. You don't have any responsibility, but actually a profound responsibility to cultivate the people and the place in this world. So that's the first thing that we see, and you actually have the ability by God inside of you to do this. Here's the second thing that we see is we're not just created to cultivate, but we were created to guard and protect. So look at the last part of Genesis 2. This is just, this is incredible. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the idea of keep is interesting. If you follow that narrative throughout the scriptures, you see that idea of keep as this guarding and protecting role. That God actually created men, and he put men on the planet to protect the other people in this world. So that's actually why, like, uh, this is a generalization, but men tend to be stronger, they tend to be bigger, they tend to be more broad-shouldered, they tend to be able to have even physical strength that is different than ladies, and here's here's the idea there. The idea isn't so that we can use that physical strength to dominate and oppress and abuse, but the idea is that God gave us this physical strength so that we could throw our lives down in the protection and care of the other people in our world. This is why God created you. He created you to keep this world, to keep your garden, metaphorically, wherever he's placed you uh, and the people in that garden. So what I want to do is just real quickly, I want to give you uh, some icons that I think are really helpful, some icons of masculine strength that we've seen in our culture. We've seen and history. Here's here's the first one. Uh, I want you to think about the historical inaccuracies of the Titanic. Do you ever see the movie Titanic? Uh, It's kind of weird. It's like, we we all know what's going to happen, but we're going to go see the movie. And uh, in in, in the movie, there's the scene where some of the men, they, they, you know, the captain comes on and he says, women and children first on the life rafts. Women and children first. And there's these men that are clamoring to get to the life rafts in the movie. They're pushing ladies out. They're moving ladies out of the way. They're, they're kind of, one one guy's dressing up as a lady to get into the life raft. And that's kind of culturally the way that our world thinks of men. Men are people that push ladies away. They push kids away. And they run for, the, for their own self-interest to protect their own neck. And they jump inside of their life raft. But actually, that's not historically accurate. If you go back and read the, the accounts of, of the Titanic, what happened in that story was one of the most profound demonstrations of what it is to be a man that our world has ever seen. I want to throw 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 these pictures up. Um, Here's what's bizarre. Only 19% of the men on the Titanic survived. They just knew, man. They just knew, like, hey, this ship's going down, and our job in this moment is to make sure the ladies on the ship get off Our job in this moment is to make sure that the kids get off. Our job is to do whatever we have to do. We will lay our lives down. We will work incredibly hard for the good and the protection and the guardian of women. That is really a beautiful picture of what it is to be a man. What it is to be a single man. Here's another one. Uh, Did you ever, um, I don't have a picture for this, but I think this is helpful. Did you hear about the uh, Aurora, Colorado shootings years ago? You remember that? Well, what's bizarre about that story is there were three separate young men, all single, that were with people that, that these ladies weren't their moms, they weren't their sisters, they weren't related to these ladies. But when the shooter walked into the theater and he started opening fire, these three separate young men who were single, they saw these ladies around, they threw them on the ground, and they jumped on top of their bodies, and they literally gave their lives in the protection of other ladies. That is why God placed you on this planet. One of the reasons. Not just to cultivate this world and cultivate the women in your life and cultivate the, the the people in your life and cultivate this earth, but he actually placed you on this earth to guard and protect and to give your life away for the good of other people. Now, let's be honest. like, um, Very rarely are we going to have to physically dodge, our, like, get in front of a bullet and take a bullet for another person. Very rarely are we going to have to lay our physical lives down for other people. This looks like the mundane, day-to-day things that you and I have to do just to serve the people in our lives when it's so much easier in this cultural moment just to serve ourselves, isn't it? So here's the idea here. If you're a single guy and you're kind of thinking, well, I'm this free uh, individual. I don't have any responsibilities. I can kind of do whatever I want. I want you to get a better vision of the good life of a single man. You see, the world's vision of a single life is, hey, you do you, man. Look, look at porn on the weekends. You do you. Don't don't Just enjoy your hobbies. Spend your money for you. Uh, pursue your vocation for you. Uh, get the house for you. Do the thing for you. It's just human. You do you. But then God actually comes in with this better vision of the good life, and he says, hey, what would it look like if you gave your life away for the good and the cultivation and the protection of other people? What would it look like on, a, on just a, a daily basis to not think of yourself as this autonomous individual, but to think of yourself as deeply responsible for your roommates, deeply responsible for your coworkers, deeply responsible for the ladies in this church and the ladies in our city, where you see them as, these are my sisters that I should lay my life down, even if it's a mundane, day-to-day, practical ways. That's the difference. See, the world says singleness, that's for you. It's for your own purposes. But this gift of singleness that God has given, it's never for you, it's always for the people out there. And when you learn to lay your life down, that's really when you start to find your life in Jesus. Right? So Ben's going to come, and he's going to help us give some kind of reflective questions on where we, where we go from here.
0: All right, guys. Listen to me. I know. Trust me, I know. I know what it's like to live in the struggle of being single. I know what it's like to fight uh, temptation on all fronts. Don't think that you're isolated today because you've got like you're supernaturally tempted and supernaturally weak. You're, we're all everybody in this room. If we're being honest, we're all in the, we're all there together. Okay. So I know what it's like. Here's the question: Is being single a curse? No. Can you live your single life? Cursing the world around you as opposed to blessing it. Yes, being single is not a curse, but you can't live in opposition of blessing. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, and I just want to, just because I want to, I want to be respectful to everyone else. i want you going to just be really quick. Raise your hand if you feel like you're living your life more of a curse than a blessing. I'm going to give just keep your hand up I'm going to give a little bit more space if that's you more of a curse less of a blessing raise your hand okay you guys can put your hands down thanks for being honest raise your hand if you feel like you're not cursing the world around you but you could be blessing it more thanks guys Open your eyes. Now, raise your hand if you feel like you bless everybody and everything perfectly. <laughs> All right, I'm charging you, guys. I'm charging you. We're gonna figure this out together. I've figured it out, but I'm here. The charge today: give your life away. Give it away. Lead the life that you've been given. Don't chase your tail in life. Don't wait for something to happen for you to start your life and start blessing. Don't wait for marriage or whatever for you to start blessing and cultivating the world around you. Give your life away. Lead the life that you've been given.